Well, we're headed back to the moon today, Mike. You say back, right? But like, no no one's ever actually been there. I can't keep doing this with you. You have the control of it. You stop bringing up the moon. It's very easy. Then this conversation doesn't need to happen anymore. Well, today's not that day because we are talking about the agreement governing the activities of states on the moon and other celestial bodies, better known as the Moon Treaty. As we said before, Stephen and I are not lawyers, but we're going to do our best this week to be them. I wore a suit, just in case. Great. In short, the Moon Treaty's aim is to turn jurisdiction of all celestial bodies over to the countries who participate in the treaty. This would mean that all activities in space would conform to international law, including the UN Charter. The gist of the treaty is outlined in its first article, which states that the moon should be used for the benefit of all states and all peoples of the international community. The writers express a desire to prevent the moon from becoming the source of an international conflict, and it bans any military use of celestial bodies, including weapons or military bases in orbit or beyond. The treaty was finalized in 1979 and a year later was considered by the United States. Wait, so did we sign it? Well, in short, this treaty has actually not been ratified by any country that currently has the capacity to launch crewed missions into space. (laughs) So this includes the United States, Russia and China and means the Moon Treaty honestly has little relevance in the real world. Indeed. Some of this may sound familiar if you've heard of the Outer Space Treaty, but the Moon Treaty goes farther when discussing the need for orderly procedures when it comes to outer space mining. So let's talk about the Outer Space Treaty. Formerly known as the Treaty on Principles Governing the Activities of States in the Exploration and Use of Outer Space, including the Moon and other celestial bodies, this document forms the backbone of all space law with 111 (laughs) space law space law with 111 countries signed on, including the United States, Russia, and China. So this one actually matters. This one matters, yeah. The roots of the document reach back to the 1950s when the development of intercontinental ballistic missiles had everybody on edge. Key concepts in the Outer Space Treaty, the OST, including a ban on nuclear weapons in space and limiting the use of the moon and other celestial bodies for peaceful activities. Conventional weapons and military space forces, they're allowed, however. Other principles state that nations are liable for damage caused by their spacecraft and satellites and that they should avoid harmful contamination of other celestial bodies. Likewise, nations are forbidden to claim territory on the moon or beyond as its own. However, spacecraft and space stations are under the jurisdiction of their home nation. So Relay FM can't fly to the moon, plant a flag in the ground and say, this is now ours. But... We could fly a really big spaceship and land on the moon Mm. and say, this is ours. We might be touching the the ground, (laughs) but this is ours. Critics of this document state that its Cold War roots mean that the Outer Space Treaty is unable to fully address modern issues such as lunar and asteroid mining. As such, mining in space was legalized by the U.S. Congress in 2015 with other countries following suit. That U.S. law was named the Commercial Space Launch Competitiveness Act of 2015. It allows U.S. citizens and companies to, quote, engage in the commercial exploration and exploitation of space resources, end quote, including water and minerals. So we're a company. 
we can do this. We can get into some lunar mining. We can do this if we want to. Digging for RSS feeds on the moon. That's what we're doing. They've got to be up there somewhere. This is a big deal for a bunch of reasons. Resources on the moon and beyond are vast. All sorts of materials that are super rare on Earth can be very common on asteroids. Very valuable resources, obviously water being the top of the list. And it's a big deal because the U.S. is preparing to return to the moon with the Artemis program and explore more of deep space. Like we said, there's a lot of resources there that can make this possible. And extracting these resources could not only unlock these longer space missions, but they could also lead to great wealth. Not everyone's in favor of this, as you may imagine, arguing that it's impossible to split ownership of resources and acts of sovereignty. Others argue that mining for profit violates the spirit of the Outer Space Treaty. To date, no real space mining has taken place, but I would expect to hear more about this as the years unfold. And we'll see everybody in Space Court. Space Court! <laughs> as you can imagine, I don't like this. The, the, the mining bit? What don't you like? Yeah, I don't like the mining part. Leave it alone is what you're saying. Leave it alone, yeah. I think you should be left alone. I don't know why we think we can own any of it. If you want to read more about all of this, uh, we have some links over in the show notes at relay.fm slash ungenius slash 154. I'd like to thank Trey for sending in these topics. If you have your own favorite topic on Wikipedia, uh, get in touch, send it to us, and it'll go on the list. You can do that via email on the website, or you can do it on Twitter. The show is at Ungeniest, and you can follow us there. Mike is I-M-Y-K-E, and you can follow me there as I-S-M-H. And next time we suit up for Moon Court, Mike, say goodbye. All right. Uh, bleh. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> what happened to you? I don't know, man. I don't know. I was going to say adios, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't say that. <laughs> Bye, y'all.